in the year that has been a craziness for VCO Esports. It continues in 2022. We have plenty of stuff still yet to come, but we have just wrapped up the 2022 IMSA Esports Michelin Global Championship. And today we're joined by one of our champions. Kevin Ellis Jr. has had a monster 2022. It includes being the Porsche Carrera Cup Great Britain Esports Champion. And Kevin, coming off a very successful 2022. Now, you have about six weeks in which you can relax and have some fun. How are you feeling here today? Yeah, I feel pretty good. Um, obviously, it's nice to, to finally have some, some downtime. Uh, this season has been just full on. Um, these esports schedules are getting busier and busier and busier every single year. Um, as soon as you think, oh, the, the end of the year is looking quite quiet, all of a sudden there'll be sort of two or three championships that, that sort of pop up um, out of nowhere and sort of keep you on your toes. So, yeah, as you say, six weeks off. Uh, looking forward to being able to have a little bit of fun, just doing some casual Twitch streaming stuff, um, and, and really just work away on on the back end in terms of the, the team stuff and doing some management and and stuff like that, and and uh, yeah, have a bit of a break from from driving. Uh, like Kevin mentions, going for the road to nine k on the Twitch channel. We'll talk more about it in a moment, and. Kevin and I chatted earlier this year on the RaceBot podcast, Talking Tents. We dived into his background a little bit more, and we'd encourage you to go and uh, check that out, not just because you get an appearance from pant uh, Pantsless Pete, uh, but because we're going to talk about something different here uh, with the 20 or 25 minutes that we've got in store for us, Kevin. Let's start by recapping the IMSA Esports Michelin Global Championship, of course, the first time in quite a while that the endurance season uh, has had a major championship like that. What was it like for you diving into... Two hours and 40 minutes, which is a quite unusual and awkward race distance in terms of endurance racing. Yeah, it was nice to have some, some endurance racing back in back in the pro stuff. Obviously, a lot of guys are, are missing the, the old VRS GT World Championship that we had years ago. That was always really good fun. Um, but yeah, as you say, the two hours 40 race distance was a little bit different for us. Um, typically, you've got a sort of three hour, six hour, 12 hour sort of um, format. So it's fairly easy. You just get the fuel to the hour take tires or you double stint your tires or whatever but the the two hours 40 you're you're always left with a little 40 45 minute oddball stint that you could sort of play around with you could take it start middle um or obviously at the end as well but um yeah we had the minimum drive time and the maximum drive time to to look at as well so that you know sort of backed us into a corner a little bit more and i think for the majority of the season we chose to sort of take that short stint uh, just in the middle uh it did sort of cover off some safety car potentials which um you know, IMSA obviously had that we're not used to before and you know it was a new element that we had to try and prepare for and adapt to and be ready for um, but yeah I, I'm just so happy with the, the work that the guys put and the, the performances that we were able to churn out every week you know winning all four races in a, in a class that was you know pretty stacked with talent and you got BS, Redline obviously Cova were there not, not anymore but um, you know all those teams like that Urano as well Williams, just so many talented teams and, and to come away on top in all four of those races and be one two in the championship as well was just yeah, it's, it's still not really sunk in. Uh it's still pretty unbelievable the year that we've had, but you know, we we learned a lot from, from that IMSA series and it's definitely stuff that we can carry into uh, endurance races next year going forward. It ended at least on track with three wins on the, uh of the four. Post-race penalties, uh, maybe mixing that one <laughs> up a little bit more than you would have wanted. Uh, but let's talk about traffic a little bit as well, because you've had experience both being the faster and the slower class class in your time. But GTD and touring cars, I think it's the first time that many had had to experience those two classes coming together. And in some ways, it felt a little bit awkward, just because of the ways the touring cars develop speed being front-wheel drive machines. 
yeah, they were really tough to get used to. Um, yeah, the first couple of races were really tough because the TCR, or the, sorry, the TC, would probably be about 10 seconds off depending on, on the track really. But in a straight line and under braking, they weren't actually horrible. Um, a lot of their time lost was just mid to exit, which is right where we were able to sort of get back to full throttle. So you would you would try and sort of line the car up to get the cut back on the exit, and then right as you get to full throttle, the TC just hasn't moved, and you're having to like lift off and try and turn away from them. And uh, yeah, it's a different different dynamic. You know, as you say, I've been in the prototype class for for many years, lapping GT cars, and the time gain through a corner from LMP to to GTD is fairly. It's fairly equal across the, the you know, entry, middle, and exit phases, um, but with TC, it really was all on exit. So um, yeah, it took a lot of patience to manage, especially at the tighter tracks like uh, Laguna was really, really difficult to manage. Daytona wasn't so bad. Um, you know, we had the obviously half the track was an oval, so you had a lot of space to work with there and a lot of time to get round guys. But um, yeah, Laguna was yeah, I had to I had to breathe pretty deep, and even Road Atlanta as well. I did get caught quite a lot at Road Atlanta just because it's so tight to try and get through cars there. Um, there's a lot of choke points. So, yeah, as you say, different dynamic. But, um, you know, thankfully we didn't. We only had one issue with one at Indianapolis, but the rest of the season we were able to, to avoid any kind of uh, dramas. In terms of what the success you've had earlier this year, let's talk about the Porsche Esports Carrera Cup Great Britain. Because that was a championship that you lost last year by just one point. How significant was it for you to be able to go and win that championship coming back to it, but then to go in person and to collect that trophy, uh, you know, in person to go to the Porsche Experience Center as well, that must have really been the icing on the cake. Yeah, it stung a lot, obviously, to lose by one, but I think, um, in hindsight, this is probably the better one to win. Um, obviously, as you say, being able to, to go to the Experience Center at Silverstone and drive um, drive a Porsche and get to sit in the 992 uh, in real life and, and have, you know, Adam Smalley, who you know, after that, we actually managed to get Adam into Apex, which has been really cool. Um, but you know, having Adam Smalley uh, kind of walk you around the the real car, and when you sit in it, and they, they flick the ignition on, and the dashboard looks exactly how it looks in the sim. Obviously, we know that the cars are accurate, but to actually see it in person, and it's just identical to the sim. It just sort of yeah, it really makes you appreciate the the level of detail that that iRacing are able to to produce with the cars, and um, yeah, being able to sort of be walked around the whole the whole centre, be pr- uh, provided with the trophy, uh, get to speak to the likes of Lee Brown, the you know, the head guy behind it all and, and really understand, you know, how they view esports and what they want to achieve from it. And they were able to speak to Pete and I and we could give a little bit of feedback and, you know, help them push it uh, even further forward, uh, going you know, going looking forward into next year and stuff. So yeah, just being able to sit down and really just pick the brains of, of these Porsche guys was, was an absolute honour. And, and as I say, to be out on the test track, getting thrown around in a GT3 RS and, and stuff like that was just, yeah, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And, you know, next year I'm I'm wanting to be back on the grid, but um, whether I can be able to return is one thing uh, I, I need to wait and see on. So I hope I can be back on the grid, but we might need to um, sort of pull a bit of a Nico Rosberg and uh, retire on top kind of thing. <laughs> Well, you say retire. I think there's more a lateral transition that yeah. uh, we maybe <laughs> talked about on the Racebot podcast earlier. We'll get to that in a moment. I, I do kind of want to ask you a question, though. How successful were you in getting in and out of the, the 992 cup, uh, cup car? It wasn't easy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I uh, Just trying to get my leg through the roll cage was the hard one. I didn't hit my head or nothing, but my leg did get stuck a couple of times uh, trying to get in and out of it. It's a pretty pretty snug fit. Um 
but Adam and I are fairly similar heights, so um, I think it was probably more just me not being used to getting in a race car. Um, yeah, it's it, there's definitely a little process you need to go through to, to actually get in there properly and, and not hurt yourself, but um, yeah, it's surprisingly comfortable as well, actually. Like I could, As I say, with Adam and I being similar heights, I could sit in it and the pedals felt like a natural distance. You could see over the wheel fine. Um, yeah, I was surprised with, um, I think it was how small the pedals actually were as well. Like I looked into the footwell and the pedals were just a lot smaller than I, I anticipated them to be. But um, yeah, as I say, getting in and out of it was um, certainly easier being in the sim cockpit than the, than the real thing. But as, as I say, it was, uh, it was great to be able to sit in it and, and experience it. I'm glad you were more successful in getting into the car than I was. I tried at Indianapolis, uh, and I ended up falling backwards out of it because I'm <laughs> so misproportioned with long legs, so I'm glad that at least did not happen to you. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things that Apex has had over the last year. It's now what, uh, almost full year that this Apex facility has been, quote-unquote, either somewhat almost finished and with people working on the final touches or people already being in it. We saw the 24 hours of Daytona, the breakout victory, uh, best in Coanda on pace and strategy as well. What's it been like for you behind the scenes being a part of the process of moving in and then living there over this last year and seeing all the growth for the team and the facility as well? Yeah, as you say, it's been nearly nearly dead on a year since, uh, since I was here. It was only, I think, maybe another three weeks or so and I've been here for a year. Um... You know, when we first moved in, there was a lot of work to be done. Um, you know, we had to build all the rigs. There's still things that are a little bit unfinished, but we wanted to make sure that we could get in and, and help um, help Alex and, and, and Lee sort of get everything built and ready to go for the start of the racing season. Uh, and then, as you say, I think the start of the year really couldn't have gone any better, you know, winning the 24 hours of Daytona and beating Coanda at a track where they've absolutely dominated for as long as we can remember. Um, you know, we... We brought a really good car, the GT car. I think that, that Alex, uh, Jamie and I were in. You know, looking at the pace that was being churned out in the race, we went back out with a little bit of damage just to drive. I think we sent Alex out in the middle of the night just to go and do some laps. And, uh, yeah, we had the pace to win both classes that weekend. It's Obviously, it's a shame that ours was ended on, I think, lap four. Um, that, that, that does thing a lot, but thankfully, you know, the LMPs could... Could uh, could bring up bring home that win and that kind of set the set the tone for the year. Obviously, start start of pest didn't really go quite to plan. Um, definitely a, a bit of a tough adjustment. Uh, you know, with the twenty four hours of Daytona, it wasn't a huge deal in terms of having people around you in the room because people were sort of getting in and out at different times. But in pest, there was sort of this added pressure. I guess the first time of everyone being in the room and sort of in quality mode at the same time, and even just small things, it's seeing Pete reaching down to to use his mouse and stuff like that you, you could sort of tell what part of the lap they were on and it just sort of got in your head a little bit and that did definitely take a couple of rounds to sort of shift that um but you know we're actually talking about this in here earlier it's, it's amazing how quickly you adapt now like we can be doing qualifying practice and people are coming in and out walking behind the, the rigs you know doing something with their pedals or, or changing a cable or something and it doesn't even bother you now whereas back home if i even saw a light go under my door or something that would kind of put me off when i was back home so yeah, it's, it's amazing how you adapt actually to, you know, being in an environment with so many different people. You know, there's like six or seven of us that are in here every day now, and there's a lot of people moving around, a lot of things going on when you're trying to practice. But as I say, you can adjust to it fairly quickly, and uh, you'll be amazed at sort of how you just zone everything out when you're in the car. I can very much agree with that because when I used to race probably three, four years ago and my parents were visiting me, they always used to leave when I had a race because they didn't want to distract me. So I can very <laughs> much appreciate that one. 
But it's not just about the facility, of course, that you've seen so much growth, but Apex has continued to expand outside of not just the team. The Apex Racing TV, of course, has their studio. Apex Racing Simulators, the na uh, newest member of the Apex Racing family as well. And I do believe that you're taking on a little bit more of a responsibility and at least helping out behind the scenes across of the board. Yeah, I mean, being in the Sim Center isn't just... You don't just come here as a driver. You know, you, you need to help out in a lot of different avenues, um, especially recently for myself, um, kind of from the middle of the year on. Um, I've sort of helped out in terms of being team leader for ART, so kind of managing the day-to-day -day stuff, um, making sure that everyone knows that they're signed up for events correctly, we've got all the paint sorted, um, making sure that everyone's done the right practice, that lineups are sorted and stuff like that. And then, of course, we had the sort of uh, academy team really start up as well, where we started bringing in development drivers to try and bring in that next level of guys that will be able to take over once um, our current top guys decide that either they don't want to do it anymore or they get too old. So, um, yeah, I've really been one of the head guys in terms of um, running all the interviews for the drivers, running the, the, the trials that we put them through and, and coming up with all the questions and stuff like that. Um, managing the, the academy and ART has sort of been the biggest thing for me. And, and everyone in here does a little bit uh, to help out in terms of the, the companies uh, like Peter and I do some stewarding for um, Apex Racing Leagues as well, which is obviously another branch that we've got. Uh, John and Jamie do broadcasting up in the studio for, for ARTV. So, you know, we're all sort of broadening our skill sets and, and, and jumping into different things that we wouldn't normally do. You know, we're, we're not just drivers here. We, we do a lot of other stuff. So, um, yeah, plenty to, plenty to keep you busy, that's for sure. And I'm just saying, if you want to explore this topic more about full-time sim racers not always being full-time racers, uh, I've got a great article about this in the upcoming edition of VCO Send It. At least, I think it's a great article. Um, in terms, though, about the Academy, this was something that I think both of us are very excited about. You kind of went from an oval racer to a road course specialist in the inaugural edition of the Apex Racing Academy, but it's relaunched now, and it's been going for over a year, and... Several drivers have promoted themselves to the Apex Racing Team, but I think there was one signing in particular, I think either over the last week or the last two weeks, that caught my eye in particular because we discussed this uh, earlier this year. You have an interest in going back oval racing and maybe going and jumping into contention for the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. It's always been on the list. Um, I've always wanted to sort of branch out and not just sort of back myself into, into a corner with, with road racing. You know, the opportunities that are available in the coke series is obviously huge um you know not, not just the prize pool but even just you know you saw what they've done for the finale of that series where they actually got to go to is it the nascar hall of fame that they went to in um in carolina somewhere and they all got to compete there in person i mean that's it, it's pretty cool um and they all got to have their own rigs shipped out there as well which is for us is, is it's a huge reason as to why i'm not a huge fan of LAN events like i, I don't really like the whole being shipped there and everyone using the same stuff if we can take our own simulators and sort of get used to all that then that's a different story um but yeah like being able to to have a go at nascar at some point is, is still on the list it's really tough to do though because the road stuff it's hard to walk away from it's it's a it's an all year round kind of thing from january through to to november you're pretty much flat out with with events and i don't really want to try and go and do a nascar maybe not qualify and you know potentially a, a, have a couple rough months on road and blows out on some some prize money or even let the team down in terms of results so yeah i mean we'll see how it goes maybe even though just even if i just dabble into like the nascar iRacing series races and um, just to try and build my oval i rating back up again and 
sort of scratch that itch that I've had for the last couple of years. Um, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully Parker can give me some uh, give me some pointers, <laughs> and I'll uh, give him some pointers on road, and we'll see how we go. Yeah, that's Parker White, the newest member of the Apex Racing Academy and one of the drivers in the eNASCAR Contender Series. Of course, Kevin has competed at the front of the iRacing Indianapolis 500, even going back to, what was it, 2020 was the most recent attempt that you had, so by no, experience, uh, by no means inexperienced uh, at turning left. I want to dive into something, though, that you just said there, talking about lands, because, of course, hopefully, uh, we may see some of the Apex Racing Team drivers in our upcoming eSports Racing World Cup in Germany, middle of February. You talk about not liking land environments, but with three years of not having any land environments, have you gotten very used to as well competing at home? Because it's such a different switch around now having experienced uh, the energy of live events twice. The distractions, I'm sure, are somewhat similar to what you guys have in the facility, but there's a, there's a palpable tension that I always enjoy with land events. Yeah, it's not necessarily the environment that I'm against. You know, I, I don't really find it distracting to have people standing behind the rig watching like as you say that happens here where you have guys sort of walking around filming you taking pictures or maybe they just want to stand and watch and see if they can can learn something when you're practicing um it's more just the logistics of LAN events that i find really difficult to wrap my head around it's not like a csgo or call of duty where you just need to take a keyboard mouse and and that's it sort of thing you know th there's a lot that goes into a sim rig um if you rock up to an event and you're used to racing 144 hertz to have 20 rigs or however many rigs you decide to have with that kind of equipment it's not cheap like sim racing LAN events are going to be way more expensive than most other events going just in terms of logistics so you know if we can take our own rigs you know I'm fine with it but again the the costs are are pretty hefty to to, to take a, a four screen simulator for us we've got two PCs um you know direct drive pedals wheel rims there's a whole load that goes into to some rigs that just trying to logistically make it happen is, is very very difficult and that's the problem that i run into with it i don't like going to an event being on 60 hertz on a non-direct drive wheel or a non-load cell brake because at that point it's you know it's just whoever can adapt to the equipment the, the quickest which i guess you can argue is as part of it but you know it's, it's kind of like taking f1 drivers and stick them in a go-kart with broken steering <laughs> and seeing who can win it just to me it just it's not very appealing so We'll wrap things up, Kevin, with a few questions about what's left for this year and what you're looking forward to next year. Of course, relatively quiet in terms of serious official competitions, but you'll be busy away on Twitch trying to grind your I rating and get up above, I think you said 9,000 was the target before the end of the year. Yeah, official racing is not really something I've been a huge fan of in, in recent years. Um, you know, there's that many pro events that really do scratch the itch that official events just can't really, or official races just don't really do the same for me, but... You know, with how I rate inflation's going nowadays, and um, you know, with the new LMDH on the way, uh, the class sizes for Daytona 24 are going to get a little bit smaller. So making top split is not necessarily a cert, even with you know a sort of 8k I rate on average. So, you know, making sure that we can all keep on pushing our I ratings up um, towards nine, ten thousand, um, making sure that we're we're up there where we need to be, making sure that we don't need to sort of try and farm last minute before an event to try and get the I rating. That's you know that's something that we try to avoid. So. You know, might as well take a couple of weeks, um, do a little bit of live streaming on my on my own account, um, and also on the the new Apex Racing Team um, Twitch account that we're doing, uh, which is where we're trying to sort of fill it in seven days a week uh, live on that account at some point. Um, you know, hopefully for the start of next year, we'll have a schedule set up to where, as I say, that account will be live seven days a week, and there'll be something to watch from an Apex member um, every day of the week. Um, but yeah, as I say, we we take those these couple of weeks prepare now before we all sort of 
cool down for Christmas um, and then come back and start getting back up to speed again and, and the I rating's already sitting there, you know, you don't need to come home and, and start trying to panic if it's getting your I rating up. So, yeah, hopefully do a little bit of uh, Twitch streaming. Um, you know, streaming pro events is, uh, I understand it's not great to watch for people because they don't get to interact with us because we're all just sort of laser focused on the screen and not really talking to chat. So, Hopefully, um, yeah, people can get to know us a little bit better through the my own Twitch account and obviously the Apex one as well. And um, yeah, we'll see how we go. Hopefully, hopefully hit that nine k without too many issues and uh, and have a little bit of fun along the way. I'm just saying, if you need fun, we've got VCO Prosum Infinity on December 9th and 10th if you really want to have all sorts of mad chaos. Uh, 2023, then, of course, another year of the Porsche Esports Tag Horror Super Cup, which will commence early uh, in 2023. I'm sure, hopefully, looking to defend your IMSA Esports Michelin Global Championship as well, and potentially jumping back in to defend that Porsche Esports Carrera Cup Great Britain crown. But what else are you looking for? Thoughts about eNASCAR maybe there as well, but I'm sure there's some expectations and some goals that you've got for yourself. Yeah, I mean, the tough thing with esports is the, the calendars are never really set until quite close to the time, you know, like the... Or was it around June or July? We didn't even know that the MSA thing was really going to happen. It just sort of popped up. So it's hard to really plan uh, for next year. Uh, obviously, as you say, the, the Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup is, is the, the big one for the first half of the year. You know, we've, we've, I've come so close to, to being in that championship contention. And, and last year, I think, was that was the year. Um, you know, round one just didn't really get off to a good start. But then somehow managed to string together like 17 top 10s in a row and drag myself back into contention. But me and Monza, every year we seem to have issues that just get shunted off by, by someone at some point and there's not really much I can do about it. So hopefully next year, I, I, obviously the car has changed a lot so that's going to give me plenty to work on um, over the off-season is, is getting back on top of that again and getting used to the changes that have been made. Um, hopefully I'll be back on the PESC GB grid as well but again that's still up in the air a little bit. Um, and the, the, the start of next year is sort of up in the air for a lot of us. We just don't really know what we're going to be doing. Um, it's that sort of um, crazy off-season, silly season, I think is what they what they call it. You know, we're all sort of in silly season at the minute where a lot of things are getting finalised and well, we just need to, to wait and see, really. But, yeah, as you say, like, PESC is going to be the main one the first half of the year. Hopefully the uh, the IMSA uh, Championship can come back again. Um, we can defend our challenge. And then, if, again, if BMW Sim Cup is, is still on, that'll be uh, that'll be another one for us. Uh, all the special events and, and anything else that we, we think that we can rock up and uh, you know, really compete at the front of and, and, and show our best hand and you know, we'll be just getting stuck right into it. Uh, speaking of the BMW Sim GT Cup, we're going to finish with a couple of the chat questions here and there was a really interesting one. You grabbed victory in both the BMW Sim GT Cup and the IMSA Esports Michelin Global Championship on the same day. Different cars, different tracks. How easy is it for you or how difficult is it for you to prepare for an event like that when there's such a short turnaround between the two races? It's certainly not easy. Um, the key thing is just planning ahead for us. Uh, obviously, as I said earlier, it's not just driving is all that we do. You know, we've we've still got the Apex Racing Academy data packs that we need to do, and they they do take up a lot of time, especially for myself. I've got four of them, so it, you know, each pack is it's a good couple hours work every single week to to get to get one out. So, you know, we we had to make sure that when we saw that clash on that day, we had to make sure that you know data packs were done a couple of weeks in advance. All the videos and everything were done. Um, anything any kind of management stuff um that had to be dealt with was, was dealt with before that week and i could just sort of spend that time uh sort of going back and forward thankfully the the first round 
um, of IMSA was at Road Atlanta and we'd just done Petit Le Mans so a lot of the practice to be honest we didn't even touch the the Porsche at Road Atlanta until the day before the race because we knew the setup was there um, the, the the balance of performance was the same as it was so we didn't have to change the setup uh, depending on extra ballast or less ballast or anything like that so we kind of knew what to expect there um, the focus really did go into the, the BMW Sim Cup that week just to make sure that we could um, get as many cars into that Sim Final as possible and obviously just try and maximize the results and then yeah into into IMSA you know it sort of we carried on where we left off at Petit Le Mans which was, which was really good obviously Alejandro was insane for the first half of that race and, and left me a pretty easy job so yeah I mean the, the key thing when you've got clashes on a weekend is just making sure that you, you plan a couple of weeks ahead make sure that all your work is done so that you can give yourself a week week and a half slot to just practice on those two races and just try and be smart about what you're doing and and thankfully for us we've been doing it so long now you can get up to speed pretty quickly. Um, it can take only a couple hours to really get into the groove of it, so that takes a lot of pressure off as well. Obviously, if you know what you're doing, get up to speed fairly quickly. But yeah, it's uh, it wasn't an easy week, but um, yeah, definitely a very memorable one at the same time. And I'm sure in some ways it's easier than it was last year when you were trying to compete across different disciplines in the iRacing Rallycross World Championship. Thanks for joining us, Kev. Busy year for you, but I'm sure you'll enjoy this holiday season. With lots of success in the year and hopefully another successful 2023. I've heard there's lots of big plans behind the scenes that, of course, you can't talk about. But thank you so much for joining us here on the VCO Esports Studio. It's going to wrap things up for us, though, here. Thank you for joining us live on twitch.tv forward slash VCO Esports or on your fa favorite podcast app. Don't forget the VCO Esports Studio is live, hopefully, every Tuesday as we navigate our way around the sim racing world. We'll be back next week with another interesting guest for now. For the team at VCO, for Mike Kiao behind the the scenes. My name is Arjuna Kenki Party saying so long for now. We'll see you next time. Race on.